At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. Darkness fills the air as the clock nears 12. The moon is covered by the sky. Biking home from an adventure of her own, the young telekinetic girl Eleven hurries along, attempting to get home before her guardian will notice her absence. A bolt of lightning careens out of the darkness and cracks a nearby tree in two right in front of a large patch of swamp. Stopping briefly to surveil the damage, Eleven hears a faint utterance from the swamp. Born on a Monday, Solomon Grande. Drones over and over from the hulking figure, now standing but ten feet away. Eleven has faced off with many horrors before, and there's no use running this time. So she stands straight up, defiantly points right at the undead creature, and readies herself for yet another bloody nose. It's the Upside Down versus Slaughter Swamp. It's the Experiment versus the Zombie. It's Eleven versus Solomon Grundy. Today on Who Would Win? 
And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gabsy, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. Shocktober Ray continues to deliver one of the most insane matchups I think we've ever done. In one corner, you have Eleven, of course, the telekinetic powerhouse from Stranger Things versus Solomon Grundy. I'd have to describe him as DC Comics, probably most powerful, maybe the ultimate zombie of all time. Who knows? Uh, you know, as usual, I did the patented who would win Google test. Feel free to do this at home, kids, just to see how many times this match has been discussed. And you'll never believe it. This match has never been discussed, debated or argued ever. Yet again, the Who Would Win show is the first one ever in the entire universe, quite possibly the multiverse, to match up these two opponents. Ray, I got to find out what are your thoughts on today's battle? My first thought on today's battle is we are now in the third episode of the month. And you still don't call it AMC Shutter presents Shocktober like we all agreed to in the boardroom. What is wrong with you? We get this delightful sponsor giving people free Shutter, free streaming horror service. You could just, in fact, go to Shutter.com, sign up and use promo code WWW and get 30 days free of the service. I don't know why I'm saying that out loud. There's a whole ad that goes along with it, but you should do it. James, shame on you. We try to get sponsors here. Stop disrespecting them no comeback from you allowed my point is solomon grundy fantastic character maybe the most powerful zombie maybe the most powerful zombie of all time definitely one of the most powerful characters in dc comics universe i'll start there and then 11 my goodness netflix's stranger things is one of my favorite television shows as far as things with DD themes that ape 80s culture goes my goodness stranger things just went ahead and nailed it I love this battle. I love these two characters. I'm ready to destroy Eleven, unfortunately. Well, it's funny you said, you know, listen, speaking of destroying things, I actually need some advice from you of all this people. This seems unlikely. It's kind of crazy. Okay, I've actually been nominated to make the opening comments, an opening speech, if you will, to my kids' parent-teacher conference. All the parents are going to be there, all of the teachers, the administration, everyone's going to be there. And I was asked to kind of, you know, hey, introduce everyone and say some opening words. So I need a really powerful opening statement. I put out a Twitter post for this and got some ideas. Wasn't too helpful. So Ray, I need your advice. I'm going to read some opening statements I prepared. Tell me which one you think is going to work the best. You ready for these? Let's do it. All right, here we go. The very first one. Here we go. I thought I'd just start off with something, you know, light, kind of funny. Kneel before Zod. Well, and that's from General well, Zod yeah, you, and Superman. You're not too. Zod, yeah. though, so I don't think that really works. If your name was Zod, then it would yeah. still probably not work. But it definitely doesn't work when your name is James. God, it's not powerful enough. Don't, I, don't think, okay. I don't think it's, it's going to get the effect you want. Let me try another one. Okay, check this one out. You have controlled your fear. Now... Release your anger. Only your hatred can destroy me. That's, of course, Darth Vader. You know, when I walk into a room, I just seem to generate a lot of anger. Yeah, what so I felt what that exactly was are you introducing, I guess, would be the question. These seem to be very strange set of I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make a very strong first impression, Ray. I want people not to forget who I am. I want people to remember the night. So just, I mean, I thought I already explained so this. To be care- no, just to be clear, though, I want to be, you're going up in front of a group of people at a parent-teacher conference. You're going to say, let the hate flow through you. If you strike me, I will come back even stronger. Here's yes. Jenny, age 10. I, just, I, just, I think maybe you need to work in your delivery. Uh, maybe one more. Maybe one more. What you got? All right. All right. This one's more like life advice. So I'm going to take a little bit of a different tact with okay. it. All right. Here we go. Don't eat yellow snow. It's not lemon flavored. 
And, and that's from my dad, by the way. And uh, he was right. It uh, it wasn't flavored. Like, not at all. What do you think? Well, it had a flavor. I remember that. It definitely was yeah. not lemon. Uh, honestly, yeah. I think that's. I think using life advice for kids who desperately need it is definitely yep. your your right way to go here. I think you found a winner. Got it. Okay. Well, just in case, let's turn this over to the Legion of Audience. If you have something I need to say as an opening line that you feel will work, leave that in and leave that impression of, of that will continue for years to come. Please let us know. You know, speaking of a first great impression, it's time to introduce our amazing guest judge making their first appearance ever on the Who Would Win show. It's anime fanatic, TikTok celebrity, the creator of the Uncommons comic, now available on Webtoons and CEO of Weird Enough Productions. Of course, I'm talking about Tony Weaver Jr. Tony. Welcome to Who Would Win. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm even more excited for this battle. It appears that there are shenanigans ahead, and I, for one, am duly prepared. You, you, you're coming in. I checked out some of your TikToks. They're amazing, by the way. I had a chance to check out the Uncommons comic now on Webtoons. I highly recommend everyone go to webtoons.com. Check it out as well. But you're also the CEO of Weird Enough Productions. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so Weird Enough Productions is the vehicle that I use to combine my passion for storytelling and also just for positively impacting the world. So I write the Uncommons, but what we do at Weird Enough, in addition to making diverse stories that get people really excited, like I'm so excited for this battle this evening, is uh, we take our stories and we combine them with lesson plans and curricula that help kids self-esteem, help them be more self-confident, help them believe in themselves a little bit more so that when they believe in something like who would win in a fight between Eleven and Solomon Grundy? They have the confidence to step forward and express it unabashedly. I, I like it. Like this is something I wish. Ray, I don't want to speak on your behalf. I think we both wish we would have had something like this in school. If I got to read comics to learn life lessons, I would have uh, been doing a lot more reading in school. Are you? What's your process for getting this into schools? By the way, cry, big. Yeah, that's fair. Cry, yeah. <laughs> kneel before yeah. principal's eye. That's my general process <laughs> for getting th for getting things into schools. We managed to set up some really fun partnerships. So we're actually working in schools across 14 states, uh, but wow. also there are some other really cool things that are happening. So, for example, Warner Media I, or, or, or Warner, as I like to call them, you know, uh, some people know them by HBO Max. Uh, we're actually doing a partnership with them where we're getting the program into the hands of schools, community centers, and families for absolutely free through a platform wow. that they built themselves called The Achievery. So I get pretty creative. One thing I'm going to do, two things I'm going to do. I'm going to write the story and I'm going to make sure it gets into the hands of the kids. Those are my two jobs. I love it. I love it. You're doing some good work, by the way. Now, with that being said, this is a crazy battle you've been invited to judge. Indeed. And it's it's off the wall. It's really different. How familiar are you with these two characters? So on TikTok, uh, something that I'm known for is that uh, I am the CEO of the Sacred Text. I very much review the Sacred Text. And for both of these characters, I have a pretty strong knowledge base of the Sacred Text. A lot of people know Eleven from the show, but did you know there are also Stranger Things comics, graphic novels, and prose novels? And I am engaged with all of those mediums. Same with Solomon Grundy, whether we're talking about New 52 Solomon Grundy or all the way back to the Super Friends when the Legion of Doom couldn't afford real estate so they kind of <laughs> lived in a, their headquarters was in the swamp. I'm very familiar, so I'm excited to see how this goes. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be asking a lot of questions when you all put these arguments forward. You know, the way you're coming across, your knowledge of everything and everything that's going on, because Ray and I do a ton of research, I, I feel like I want to give you a nickname. I want to call you like the Oracle. 
right? You're just this keeper, this knowledge base. You, you're, you, you've got all of this together. The fact that you're referencing the Super Friends, the Legion of Doom, their swamp location, this bodes very well for this battle. So with all of that being said, Ray, get ready. I know you're going to bring it. I'm going to do the same. We have possibly, quite possibly, the ultimate judge we could ever have for this matchup. So with that being said, please do us the honors and announce today's battle. Representing Netflix. The teenage girl who loves waffles so much it made her egotistical. Eleven. And representing DC Comics, the undead zombie who's surprisingly into Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Ethereum, you know, all the crypto currencies, Solomon Grundy. All right, well done right now. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Right, there's been a whole bunch of different versions of Solomon Grundy here over the years. What version are you using today? We're going to be sticking to the comic book version of Solomon Grundy. That gives me a heck of a lot of real estate. One of the amazing things about the character is he keeps, you know, getting killed as an undead character, but he never actually dies. He comes back and is often very different in the next form, resulting in many, many different fluctuations of power I aim to use to my advantage. I think that's a great choice. Okay, I'm going to be sticking with the Stranger Things television show sure. on Netflix because I just feel there's enough there that if I pinpoint that, that will play exactly to Solomon Grundy's weaknesses. More on that later, by the way. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. Rule number six. Finally, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. 
To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And now let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy is a powerful undead monster in the DC Comics universe. He first appeared in All-American Comics number 61 back in 1944 and was created by Alfred Bester and Paul Reinman. Solomon Grundy is a character who has more and varied versions of him than most anybody else in DC Comics. In his original incarnation, a rich man named Cyrus Gold was murdered and his body dumped in Slaughter Swamp just outside of Gotham City. Returning to life 50 years later, Cyrus began a life of crime as a supernaturally strong undead monster named Solomon Grundy. Fighting such DC legends as Green Lantern, Batman, and even Superman. Fun fact, everybody knows by now that Solomon Grundy was inspired and named after an English nursery rhyme. It was first put to paper in 1842. Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, is how it begins, of course, but do you know the rest of the poem? Well, here's how it goes. Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, christened on Tuesday, married on Wednesday, took ill on Thursday, grew worse on Friday, died on Saturday, buried on Sunday. That was the end of Solomon Grundy. It's not much of a poem, but what a week that guy had, am I right? That is Solomon Grundy. You know, I've always had a problem with that poem because is is Grundy supposed to be pronounced Grundy? So it rhymes with Monday, See, Tuesday. Thank you for asking the good questions. I was as I was reading it just now. Should I be saying Tuesday? <laughs> I don't even know. Like that doesn't make any sense. So here's the deal. It's it's an English poem that was first put to paper in 1842. Times were a little different back then. I just think I should start pronouncing the days of the week as a uh, Monday or Tuesday. Come on, James. And that way, what are you doing? That's some I nonsense. Just- That's true. All right. Here are the details for Eleven. Eleven was kidnapped and raised in Hawkins National Laboratory, where she was experimented on for her inherited psychokinetic abilities. After escaping the lab, she was found by some young boys who had become her trusted friends, Mike, Lucas, and Dustin. Upon discovering her abilities, Mike believed that Eleven could help find Will, their, at the time, missing friend. And, of course, she did. It was ultimately revealed that, in a lab experiment, she made contact with a creature from another dimension, accidentally opening an interdimensional gateway in an attempt to protect her friends 11 eventually faced and destroyed this monster in a showdown at hawkins middle school mysteriously vanishing in the process eventually she was found to be alive secretly living with jim hopper at his grandfather's old cabin after she grew impatient from being separated from her friends 11 went on a journey by herself discovering her past in the process and here's an interesting fact about stranger things did you know that the cast had to face a very dangerous and pervasive threat sometimes on a daily basis on set it's true. Look, with any series that is intense to action, there's going to be risks, whether it's a stunt performance gone wrong or a fight scene where someone can get hurt. Obviously, actors are no strangers to putting themselves in harm's way. But in the case of Stranger Things, the actors and crew were not prepared for the ultimate threat, which was, you guessed it, farts. 
The the boys, now young men, were constantly farting, most likely due to a healthy diet of chips, candy, and all types of junk food constantly made available to them. It got so bad that while filming a scene in an abandoned bus, the mother of all farts was unleashed, and according to one producer, it became so toxic in the bus that the crew had to temporarily evacuate for quite some time. And now you have the facts of both opponents. Tony, do you have any questions before we get started? Oh, I feel 100% clear. Though I must say, while we're talking about Solomon Grundy, I, I, I feel like, what, what, what if we're reading it all wrong? What if it's Solomon Grundy? Like oh. Ariana Grande. That maybe, mm. maybe he was a pop star in England during that time that the poem was written. And that's why people know so much about his life. Maybe the poem are actually song lyrics? I like the way you think. I'm telling you, this is, you're onto something. I think we just uncovered a conspiracy for the ages. That's what I think. Uh, this is going to be insane. All right, I am unbelievably hyped for this battle. Ray, you better bring it. Go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Solomon Grande is we're going to talk about his strength. He is one of the strongest characters in all of DC Comics, and that is really saying something because DC Comics has people that can do crazy, crazy strong things. Am I remembering Superman pulling a chain and pulling all the continents apart or pulling the Earth out of orbit? Or I don't know, He-Man's a DC character. He once moved a moon. But Solomon Grundy is right there with every single one of the other DC characters. They're scared of him. He's really considered the DC Comics version of the Incredible Hulk in his own way. You know, the Hulk used to be gray at a certain point. Solomon Grundy is also gray and is from 1944. Could it be argued that the Hulk is in part based on Solomon Grundy? Oh, I do believe that it is. And both have a lot of rage issues and both are incomprehensibly strong. Few of the things that Solomon Grundy has done that really made him near and dear to my heart. There's a great character called the Red Tornado, and the Red Tornado is a super powerful character. It's DC Comics, of course he is. He's also a robot of some kind. Well, Solomon Grundy got it worked out so that the Red Tornado's spirit was put into a human's body, but he still retained a lot of his power as well as his ability to create gale force winds at will. What did Solomon Grundy do once he got Red Tornado in that situation? He ripped off the man's arm and ate the arm in front of him. I don't even think Solomon Grundy as a zombie needs to eat necessarily, but he ate the man's arm as a psychologically damaging thing to do. Look, if you have a chance to beat your enemy, that's great. If you have a chance to eat your enemy, you were playing with a whole other deck of cards right there. In fact, one time he was fighting a character you may know, Wonder Woman. James Gavsey will tell you she is one of the three strongest characters, blah, 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 like he does with every character, compares them to Superman favorably, etc. Well, he hit Wonder Woman so hard that the Flash had to go and get her as she was flying through the air. She was going so fast, it took the Flash to slow her down. What the heck is going to happen when little tiny Eleven gets hit once by Solomon Grundy. This young lady is going into the moon's orbit, not just the Earth's orbit, the moon's orbit, because she is going to fly too far away. In fact, one time Solomon Grundy was fighting Green Lantern, a high-powered DC character, was beating the dude down so hard that Power Girl, another very, very strong, very, very durable character, 
stepped in and tried to throw herself into the punches to try to protect Green Lantern. You know that move. You throw yourself on the person who's getting kicked while they're down. Well, Solomon Grundy hit her once so hard that somebody had to step in immediately and save Power Girl. (laughs) And we're not talking about some run-of-the-mill character. She's on a whole other level. In fact, Solomon Grundy smashed Hot Girl. Well, he smashed Hot Girl ridiculously hard and then threw her into oncoming traffic just for fun. I mean, what is this character doing? This guy beat up Superman. We know Superman is strong. We know Superman is powerful. We know that Solomon Grundy beat the living crap out of Superman on multiple occasions. And then just for fun, he broke Green Lantern constructs. Those are not necessarily supposed to be easily broken. We've only seen characters like Lobo do that. Well, Solomon Grundy's done it as well. This dude is strong. This dude is powerful. And it's not going to take a whole heck of a lot for him to overpower Eleven and smash her to bits. And that's my point number one. You're going to find this kind of amazing. I disagree with nothing you have just said. You can't nothing. because it's impervious. Nothing. No, it's not impervious. It's uh, you actually just did your research very well. I mean, everything you, you've kind of described everything perfectly. Whatever era he's been in, in terms of comics, where he's displayed strength, it's always been on a Superman level. There's just no denying he's he's of that level. In fact, I'd love to see a Solomon Grundé versus Hulk fight just so we can have you know oh some fun with that. All right, that'd be great. Okay, so I, I love what you said for point number one. Let me kind of counter that with my point number one. We're going to talk about L, um, you know, Eleven's powers. Look, according to the Stranger Things official wiki, Eleven was born with a vast array of pre- preternatural abilities acquired through a combination of inheritance, which she was born with, and exposure to hallucinogenic drugs, that's horrible, while in utero during her mother's time as an MK Ultra test subject. And these abilities were the reason she was abducted in the first place, yada, yada, yada. So what are her powers? Okay, check this out. She's got telekinesis. We've seen this, but she's able to physically manipulate objects, people, even creatures with her mind. We see that as well, but she's got superpower telekinesis. She's strong enough. She lifts large and heavy objects all the time. One great scene is where she's on that bike. A van's coming right at her and she flips that van up over her and behind her. And and what was great about it, it wasn't so much that it was a strength beat. It's just that it was an immediate. She saw it, flipped it and done. Like she can tap into the super strong telekinesis immediately. She doesn't have to warm it up or whatever. Uh, let's see. She was able to pull a train car towards her, which weighed anywhere from, I'd say, 50 to 80 tons. And she didn't pull it while it was on a train track. Oh, no, no. It was sideways. So she pulled it against the wheels sideways down a road towards her. That is insanely strong. She was able to throw and kill a demo dog. Uh, I think that was called. That's that insane creature that came from another dimension that's super powerful and was like tearing people apart. She threw and killed him using her mind. Let's see. My favorite part is that she can attack internal organs. So she can pinpoint her telekinetic attack when she squeezed a character's insidey places to make him, uh, you know, urinate as well. And then just broke his arm as well, because why not? She can even crush the brains of several people at once. She can use it to levitate and kind of fly in place a little bit. Really cool. But she's also got ESP. She can send stuff around her and figure out, get information straight straight to her mind. She's got telepathy where she can see what people are thinking. She can even control people's minds as well, which is 
crazy. Let's see. She's got technopath, uh, technopathy, and I believe that's how you say it, where she can control technology as well and make it do her bidding to at least a smaller degree. She's got some form of teleportation. I'm not going to rely too much on that because that one is a little iffy, but she can definitely read memories. So she can tap into someone's mind and sense what they've been through, what their motivations are, and fully understand what they're coming. Something very helpful when facing a Solomon Grundy. She's got one big one, though, that I think is really going to help, and that's biokinesis. Now, this is where Eleven could manipulate the bodies of living creatures to a certain extent, and we saw this when she was facing off against that demo dog again at Hawkins Middle School, where she pinned it against a wall and started breaking it down and, like, obliterating it, you know, piece by piece, almost like at a molecular level, and just, boom, blew it away, and then she herself disappeared. That biokinesis, I'm wondering how well that's going to work against a zombie-like creature like a Solomon Grundy, and that's actually a question for you, Ray. Regardless, put all that together, and she's got some impressive powers that she brings to the table in this fight against Solomon Grundy. That's my point number one. Some good stuff right there. Now, nobody's going to argue that Eleven isn't a wonderfully gifted telekinetic kind of champion. You know, she does often use her powers uh, when she feels threatened. Let's face it, in this battle, she's going to feel pretty threatened. So I do believe that she would have good use of her telekinesis. However, I would counter that by saying Solomon Grundy has faced telekinetic characters before. Lest we forget, he beat the snot out of a guy named Dr. Fate, who we just did on this show a few episodes ago. Dr. Fate's one of the masters of magic, masters of telekinesis, masters of the universe. And Solomon, it wasn't enough to stop Solomon Grundy. And Grundy beat the crap out of him. In fact, one could say that Solomon Grundy handed his butt to him right there on the battlefield. And you said Eleven's mother was an MK Ultra tester. She was a QA tester for Mortal Kombat Ultra. I don't understand how that gives you powers, but I'm interested in learning more. And as far as like hurting the body parts go, Solomon Grundy's a zombie. He doesn't care about that. Etrigan the demon once ripped his heart out and was like, ha ha, gotcha. And Solomon Grundy's like, ha ha, no, you don't and then started whooping up on Etrigan. So I don't know how big a deal that's going to be. So you're saying Solomon Grundy is like Ray Stacanus, heartless. Oh, guaranteed. Yes, yes. Got no it. emotion whatsoever, sometimes confused. So uh, in all seriousness, a quick question about the character. Is is Solomon Grundy like a true zombie? Is he is he degrading like a zombie? Is he, you know what I mean? Is he? No, he's, a, he's basically a magical construct made with biomatter from the swamp. It's a magical swamp. Again, it's a story that gets retold in different ways a lot of times. It's best to just think of him like a zombie in that he's undead and can keep fighting and is massively strong and doesn't really feel damage. We'll get to that later. Got it. All right. Tony, you've heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Where is your head at so far with this battle? Some interesting arguments that are being made here. Certainly when talking about the strength of both of our competitors, Solomon Grundy is significantly more fearsome than I gave him credit for. I, I, I think that I, would, uh, I was already afraid when you mentioned him ripping off Red Tornado's arm, but disrespecting both Diana and Hawkgirl, I'm con breaking Green Lantern constructs. I'm concerned. I'm very, very concerned. But I do have some questions. I have one question for you, Ray, and I have one question for you, James, if you all would humor me, please. Let's do it. Sure. Ray, you gave some very intense descriptions of some of Solomon Grundy's victories. Can you, for me, even just once throughout the comic continuity, give me an occasion in which Solomon Grundy lost and how? Sure. I mean, let's, at the end of the day, 
Solomon Grundy is a big bad. You set him up there, you know, to knock him down at some point. So in one of the storylines, he was fighting a whole bunch of characters, getting over on all of them. When Batman and Superman came together to team up to say, we got to bring this guy down. And they were able to defeat him at least to a point where they would have won a who would win battle. They were able to knock him down for a couple of minutes just using what powers that they had to kind of knock the entire place around and then escape and survive for another day. Because at that time, Solomon Grundy was actually decked out with kryptonite and he was like, come at me, soups. And Batman helped him get on out of there. I believe that was the Batman Beyond storyline uh, uh, in that world. Understood, understood. Uh, th- this gives me good context. And James, for you, something that I noticed when you listed all of Eleven's feats is that in the intro, you mentioned that she does have dimensional abilities, but you didn't make any use, or you, you didn't make any reference or mention of any of her dimensional related abilities or feats. Is that coming up in a later point or? We're, we're one of the same minds. Yes, I'm going to be kind of putting something into context. Very well. And then kind of bringing that power into play to show how Eleven can use that in a way that's been used before against Solomon Grundy. Very well. In that case, I have no questions. On to point two. All right, Ray. I like where this is going. Hit us with your point number two, please. Point number two for my man Solomon Grundy. We're going to talk about how he has undead durability. Because there's a lot of stuff Eleven can do. Look, in very short bursts, Eleven can do large amounts of damage. Now, I'm going to argue easily that these little dog monsters from the Upside Down in the Stranger Things universe, they're not really on a Solomon Grundy type level. I mean, look, these are the Foot Clan from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of Stranger Things enemies. They're there to be shredded one after another after another with no thought given to them so you can show off the powers. But Solomon Grundy is a completely different creature, okay? Did I mention he once beat up Superman? Kind of a big deal. Just saying, a man could beat up Superman. He can beat up Eleven, a young lady. I'm sorry. It's Shudder Presents Shocktober on the Who Would Win show. So, Bizarro once defeated Solomon Grundy. And I'm going to talk about this because this is, again, to what you just said, uh, Tony. This is how Bizarro beat him. He grabbed him, put him in a bizarro Superman-level bear hug, and then had to fly him into the sun. He had to fly him into the sun and then fly away to finally get Solomon Grundy out of his life, and he would, of course, regenerate later and come back to life. But I don't think Eleven's capable of doing something like flying him into the sun, like Superman-powered-up Bizarro was able to do, because at the end of the day, that's not what she does. Solomon Grundy's durable. He can't feel pain. He's invulnerable to most form of attacks, be they physical, be they magical, be they energy blasts. He's immune to fire. He's immune to extreme cold. And he has a healing factor on top of it. At one point, he got his hand blown off by a very powerful attack. And then it just regenerated and grew back around him. And he was perfectly fine once again. Etrigan the demon, I mentioned him earlier, shot him with hellfire. Fire straight from hell. And Solomon Grundy tanked it as if nothing was happening. He once snuck into Green Arrow's underground palace, the the swinging bachelor pad that is the Arrow Cave or whatever the heck he calls it. And Green Arrow found him in there and was like, oh no, immediately unleashed every single attack that Green Arrow possibly could. Grundy tanked the whole thing, grabbed Green Arrow and threw him into a rock, nearly fracturing his spine. 
So he'll just take whatever you give and then one-shot you afterwards. That's the kind of guy that Solomon Grundy is. One of my other favorite things, James Gavsey, is the Flash tried to hit him with something called the Infinite Mass Punch. You might be familiar with this attack where he goes so fast, it's like hitting you an infinite number of times with math and equations and nonsense I'll never understand. Well, Solomon Grundy just took him out. He tried for the Infinite Mass Punch and Solomon Grundy was basically like what Catwoman did Pow! No! You're not doing that to me! And Flash was done! Amazo, a character who has all of the powers of all of the Justice League combined, used uh, Superman's heat vision power to laser off Solomon Grundy's arm. Solomon Grundy's arm never stopped moving, never stopped attacking. Solomon Grundy reattached it and then decapitated Amazo afterwards, cut off his own head, and Amazo, of course, still survived it, had to run away at that point. That's a victory for Solomon Grundy. And the other thing I'm going to mention is, if just in case it comes down to it, there's no biological way. You talked about biological attacks. There's no biological way Eleven's going to win because he's immune, Solomon Grundy, to poison ivy toxins. He's immune to green arrow toxins that were specifically made to defeat Solomon Grundy. And Solomon Grundy had no problem with them whatsoever. He is of the earth. He is of magic. And there's just no chance Eleven stands up to him or can do enough damage to bring him down. And that's my point number two. Okay, interesting stuff here. A couple of things. First of all, the infinite mass punch is nothing like what you described, Race to Canis. The infinite mass punch is where the flash hits you when he goes from zero to infinity acceleration in a very short period. So he hits you with infinite mass. It's a one-time shot. When he hits you a million times, still really impressive. That's not the infinite mass punch. Get your math facts straight. I told Uh, you it was math related and that uh, I did not understand it, James. What was I unclear about? Khan Academy is there. Anyway, you know, here's the the real important. So you say uh, someone Grundy's got, you know, he's durable. He's got a regeneration ability or or healing factor, if you will. Magically based, all impressive. Can he survive or is he immune to the powerful farts unleashed by the Stranger Things crew? No, it's a great question. If he's immune to poison ivy and green arrow toxins, I believe even Solomon Grundy is immune to those farts. I'd, I'd, I'd hate to be there and see him actually like sit there and go, hmm, what's not that smell? Thing. And just not, not a good pretty. thing. All right. So, again, I'm not going to disagree or argue a whole lot about your point number two because, you know, I, I think I've said this before. Solomon Grundy, actually, I'm a huge fan of the character. I feel like he hasn't gotten his due yet. I just don't think like he's he's come to prominence the way he should. You know, I know Colossus is a big deal with Deadpool, so I'm hoping they can do justice to Solomon Grundy's character and he appears in a big, really cool you way. Know, it's crazy you say that, James, because he's appeared in like everything. You know, he's been in the cartoon series before, dating what back to the 1970s Super Friends cartoons. You know, he was an essential part of the, that uh, particular bad guy group. And he's appeared in the uh, Batman Arkham Knight video games just a few years ago. He, Joker kind of pulled him out of mothballs and there was a giant version of him that attacked Batman. So it's like he's been in all the media. I just maybe think he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. And I think that ends today. Yeah, I think I think this whatever happens today, he's going to lose whatever happens today. He will definitely get more respect. All right. You. Let me get to my point. Number two, I'm going to take a little bit of a different tact with this. Let me just make a declarative statement. Eleven, as a character, is vicious. Extremely vicious. Let me explain. But before I do that, skill testing question. Which character from DC Comics has a clear number of wins over Solomon Grundy? Is it Superman? Is it Wonder Woman, The Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkgirl? Nope, none of them. It's Batman. Why? How is Batman, of all people, able to defeat Solomon Grundy? It's because every other hero I I mentioned 
fight Solomon Grundy head on. They go, you know, strength for strength or the Flash hits him or, you know, Superman tries to punch him or Wonder Woman tries to connect with some, whatever it is. You're playing into Solomon Grundy's strengths. Batman, on the other hand, goes after Solomon Grundy's weaknesses. And he's got a couple of physical weaknesses. For example, he's used gas on him to weaken him. He's hit him super hard in the throat. By the way, you got to remember Batman in a Marvel DC Comics crossover with no preparation whatsoever actually beat the Hulk. It's a documented thing. How do you do it? Hit him in the gut so hard, put all the gas, the knockout gas on the ground, made the Hulk breathe in a ton of it, and then the Hulk fell unconscious. Still counts as a win. Batman's beaten Solomon Grundy a number of times. In fact, even in that encounter I think you were describing before, Ray, it was Batman who had to do some unconventional attacks, hit him some unconventional ways, blind him with lights, hit him in the throat, do whatever it is, and that's how you do it. Batman is vicious, so is Eleven. So... The reason why this gives Eleven the advantage in the battle is because when it comes to being super vicious and hitting people where they are at the weakest, after watching her in action, I got to tell you, she's among the top of her league. So for example, while walking up to a couple of boys who tried to hurt Mike, her good friend, we saw this. She telepathically pushed one to the ground, easy enough, and in an act of pure savagery, she just tilted her head to the side to break the other kid's arm from out of nowhere. It's just, a, you know, instead of shoving him to the ground as well or yelling, no, 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 just boom, break his arm, he's on the ground. When choking a man on the floor, she walked towards him and watched him as he agonized in pain with fear spraying across his face, realizing he was about to die. This was some vicious stuff on the level of Darth Vader force choking people. It was really, really crazy. The same thing, she was force choking or telekinetically choking this guy who deserved it, by the way. Really, really crazy. When escaping from the lab that she was in, she launched one person to a wall, and then when the other person pulled the gun on her, she just quickly tilted it again, which telekinetically broke his neck. Just whack, really quick. Now, we talked about her flipping a van. Now, here's the funny thing. She's on the back of a bike, right? A van's coming at her. She's being chased by other cars. Now, of course, we've all seen a van coming at us. You know, Tony, I'm sure you've been there. And, of course, we put a hand out. We stop the van right there because there's people in the van. We don't want them getting hurt. And it's a nice van that costs money. No, what did she do? Uh-uh. She just took it lifted up in the air over her and just casually looked back to see it land crashing down, killing whoever was in it. And she just didn't even make a face. She's like, eh, that's cool. And kept on going. This is a vicious, vicious person. Look, when surrounded, is my favorite one, when surrounded by guards in a lab, she used her telepathy and telekinesis together to mentally stop everyone in the tracks and then did what looked like the effect was like squeezing everyone's brains until blood started coming out and they all died at the same time and collapsed to the ground. It was really, really freaky. So here's why this is important. In another episode, another version of a comic, I should say, there was a series called Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. It was made into an animated film and they're taking on Solomon Grundy who is being mind-controlled by Gorilla Grodd. Now, what's important about this is that Solomon Grundy is not only very susceptible to being mind-controlled, he's, you know, kind of a, I don't want to say this a horrible way, he's not the smartest tool or sharpest tool in the shed, but Solomon Grundy was controlling a number of supervillains at the same time. So it wasn't like he's like, I better focus on Solomon Grundy to control me so powerful. No, no, he was doing this to dozens of super powerful beings. Mongol, the space alien tyrant, was one of them. And if it only took him like a fraction of his mind power to do that, I guarantee you Eleven can do the same thing. Again, being taken out by viciousness and mind control, the two main weaknesses of Solomon Grundy, we saw that with Batman doing it as well, Put all that together, we just see clearly these two areas of weakness happen to be the two areas where Eleven specializes in. So when you put these two together, sure, Grundy is more physically powerful, but Eleven has the tactics and the ability to hit Grundy where it's going to hurt him the most. All that together is my point number two.
I have a lot to dispute with what you just said, James Gavsey. Speaking of those Stranger Things farts, the intoxicating mind fog is also getting a little thick in here. We might have to evacuate the crew. First off, you ask, how did Batman uh, defeat Solomon Grundy? With prep time, James, how does Batman defeat anybody? He, he knew what he was getting into and then prepared himself. That's his superpower. That's also something that in this fight, Eleven does not have the benefit of. She's going to get thrown right into it. And James, Batman versus the Hulk. We're really talking about this thing where they knew going in that there was no way Batman could lose. And nobody who knows anything about the Hulk thinks there's any legitimacy to that fight whatsoever. And it's a crossover. Who even cares? Why are we even talking about Batman? This You're, you're trying to pretend Eleven is Batman the Dark Knight with all the gadgets flying around Gotham City? What is happening right now, James? You're trying to do some mental gymnastics that just don't work. And if Eleven tries to force choke Solomon Grundy, oh no, a character who doesn't have to breathe is getting his neck crushed. Oops, he's going to walk over and smack her into next Monday when he'll be born again. No, you're right. I shouldn't compare them because at least Eleven has superpowers. Actually, and with uh, Batman, he was unprepared both times with the Hulk and that instance where he took on Solomon Grundy. Had no idea he was about to take either one on. He did use the gas, did some whatever he had to do. But he knew who Solomon Grundy was. This was not a random encounter from it with a complete stranger. That's not how Batman operates when he wins. It was early in his career. We'll figure that out. All right, so... Tony, you've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. Now we're at the turning point. This is where you tell us who you think is ahead and what the other opponent, the other character, if you will, has to do to pull out the victory. I truly feel like I'm at an impasse right now. After point number one, I was very much convinced of the overwhelming strength of Solomon Grundy. And uh, I I do understand that it was a Batman and, and Hulk crossover, but I... I'm I'm having trouble accepting that feat. I'm sorry. I'm 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 having trouble I- accepting that into my knowledge pool. That being said, you do make a very convincing argument for Eleven's viciousness because if if we're being clear here, Batman became Batman as a result of the loss of both of his parents. Eleven didn't have either of her parents or a butler or a bunch of money to send her to private school. When we meet Eleven in season one of Stranger Things, she is the human equivalent of an angry warthog. She just mad. Before before the Ego waffles won nothing sweet about her. But before the waffles, there was there was not there was not a sweet bone in her body. She would have taken out anybody. There was a man that was giving her food and she almost killed him. She thought about it. She stopped because she needed the food. It was self-preservation. It was not compassion. I saw not a hint of compassion in that small child's eyes. So with the knowledge that Eleven is capable of being vicious as Atlanta Friday afternoon rush hour traffic, I I, I, I am seeing that there is potential for her. Right now, I, I feel like Solomon Grundy is walking away with the dub right now. Solomon Grundy is certainly walking away with the win right now. The only way that I can be convinced that it is possible for Eleven to defeat Solomon Grundy is if it is demonstrated that with the viciousness that she has, in a timely manner, she can evaluate the threat that Solomon Grundy is and act accordingly. I got to tell you, that traffic on the 400 and the 285 is no joke. 
No, that's 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 no man's land right there. No one, no one deserves that. No one. All right, so this is good. I like it, Ray. You're actually ahead at point number two. This is a little bit different from where we've been typically over the last ten weeks, I'd say. So go ahead, give us your knockout shot. Hit us with your point number three. Point number three for Solomon Grundy. I got a lot of things I got to touch upon here because this is a deep character. But real quick to your last point because I ran out of time on my last rebuttal. Gorilla Grodd mind controlling him. Look. Gorilla Grodd's also a very, very powerful mind controller. I want to say that's a more of a Grodd strength feat than a weakness feat for anybody else because he was mind controlling a lot of very powerful characters at that point. And Eleven does not typically go straight to the mind powers. She tries to overwhelm people with the telekinesis first. And I think ultimately that's going to be her downfall. That's going to be her mistake. She's going to open with her normal opening moves. And Solomon Grundy's not going to give her a chance to get to the second, third, fourth power down her skill set once the telekinesis thing doesn't really work and he smashes her this fight is going to be over now the things i actually intended to talk about let's talk about the fact that solomon grundy you're right not always known as the smartest character going however in many of the incarnations of solomon grundy through the comic books he has been resurrected as a very very smart individual he's been resurrected as a very very shifty individual and a savvy individual in fact at one point in the superman beyond batman beyond Beyond storyline I mentioned earlier, he was actually a club owner and a smart fellow. He owned a club named Vanity and was smart enough to have the rocks, you know, the green rocks that shut down Superman. We call them kryptonite. And he was smart enough to use that to his advantage to smack Superman around. Although he has also beaten Superman. I don't know if I mentioned this before. He did it with no kryptonite whatsoever. He's also, in a shifty way, a master of disguise. In a 1979 live-action Adam West Batman joint, he turned around and was wearing a hat, pretending to be a serviceman at a gas station. And Batman, yes, Batman, did not see through that disguise until Solomon Grundy took the hat off to reveal who he was. So he is a shifty individual when he wants to be. Now let's talk about some things he's done. Because... At a certain point, he also had a version of himself that came from Earth 2, which is where Alan Scott and all them came from, and he was known as the Avatar of the Grey, which means that he opposed the Green, aka Swamp Thing, one of the most powerful characters in all of DC Comics, and Solomon Grundy could hang with Swamp Thing, and as the Avatar of the Grey, he had certain powers as chlorokinesis, the ability to control plant life around himself, vines and what have you, a fatal poison touch, so if he just touched somebody, they died. Eleven's still a human being at the end of the day, but he was also a powerful energy absorber, and if Eleven was trying to use some of her telekinesis, some of her, you know, kind of energy powers that I know she has, he could absorb that energy inside of him and actually suck it and depower her, because one thing I know about Eleven is, after using her powers for a very short period of time, she gets that nosebleed she gets physically weakened and she really only has a few short bursts of power in her before she wears down solomon grundy being undead much like captain america can do this all day but then also do it all night and then do it all day again for quite a while and the last thing to talk about in one wonderful storyline solomon grundy got the black lantern ring and became 
a black lantern, which means he was able to fly. He was able to create constructs if he wanted to. But most importantly, he could animate the dead. And I have a feeling James is going to bring up the upside down in his point number three, because that's what I would do. So what happens when Eleven opens up a portal to the upside down, where all those lost souls and dead people are, and all of a sudden Solomon Grundy reanimates the body of Barb to reach out through the portal, pull Eleven into her own machination, and close the portal behind her. Solomon Grundy has this on multiple levels, and that's my point number three. See, you know, you had me at point number one, you had me at point number two, and then you had to get a little too ambitious. Okay, so the Avatar of the Great, great storyline, short-lived storyline, that was part of the New 52. That has since been retconned, that's out of continuity, thank God, thanks to uh, Rebirth where the new 52 was given a horrific death as it deserved. The characters are kind of brought back. The younger Superman gone. Batman's now the same as before. You know, character uh, Lobo is no longer some GQ supermodel. He's back to looking like Lobo. All that good <laughs> stuff is there. By the way, the Black Lantern ring, that lasted how many issues in, uh, in comics? I think that was like a two-issue storyline. I think it lasted three issues, but that shows that he had it over a period of time. A period of three comic book issues in the new 52, all of that retconned. That is not coming into play here. With that being said, I do think that, you know, what I find interesting is that Solomon Grundy, I do see him in the in that future storyline with the Batman Beyond storyline. I think that takes place in 2040 to 2050, not too far off. Could be a little bit smarter, what have you. And every once in a while, he's reincarnated as a smarter being. But typically, he's known as a Hulk-like, lumbering, not-too-smart, easily-kind-of-influenced type of being. And that's where I'm going to kind of go with this. So I'm going to give a little pushback on what you're saying. I'm actually going to give a lot of pushback. I know your entire point number three. Points number one number two. Kudos to you, Ray. Those were fantastic. All right, let me get to my point number three. This is where I'm going to start off with it. You know, of course, she's got the mind control, which is something Solomon Grunty is definitely susceptible to. And by the way, you know, He's definitely using his brain, not his heart, but definitely his brain is something being held uh, or being used. If she controls that, that could be something, you know, she could attack that physically or what have you. But let's talk about her real power, and that's her portal manipulation. She's able to open and manipulate portals to that other dimension known as the Upside Down. And we saw that when it was discovered that she had accidentally opened that gate upon making contact with the Demogorgon. And then Eleven, I think she later managed to close and even manipulate the portal gate. And she makes it large enough even, you know, she had to make the gate even larger for her to go through it and then came back. She can open up this dimensional portal to another dimension. But there's a couple other factors in this battle to consider. First of all, Again, Solomon Grundy is super easy to fool and manipulate, so getting him into the right direction won't be a problem. And Eleven's ability to read minds, she'll be able to see as a childlike moral code, because he does have that, where he won't want to hurt another child. Eleven is super clever. She'll be able to figure out how to act to get Solomon Grundy to stop his attack, or at least position him where she wants him. She's done that with Demogorgon. Pretty sure she can do that with Solomon Grundy. But here's the other thing. You know, there's an interesting comic book storyline where Solomon Grundy meets Bizarro. And Bizarro wants to be friends with Solomon Grundy. He sees a kinship. He sees some type of commonality what have you and of course Solomon Grundy wants none of it they start fighting and then all of a sudden during the battle a, a flower pot with one single flower falls on Bizarro's head breaks and the flower stays on his head and they both start laughing hug it out they put the flower somewhere they've got this childlike glee for the flower this is the Solomon Grundy that is mostly part of his character throughout his almost 80 years of continuity and the thing I have to figure out is is Solomon Grundy with this strict kind of weird childlike moral code is he actually going to hit a child 
Now, this is important. Ray, you did such a great job with two previous battles. One of them was Poison Ivy versus Bumblebee, where you got the win because you correctly said Bumblebee has a moral code. He may not go full out the way he needs to against a Poison Ivy, whereas Poison Ivy is going to try to kill and absolutely destroy Bumblebee, giving her the advantage. You also talked about Inuyasha versus Shang-Chi, where I think it was a good point. You said, hey, Inuyasha can create portals and push Shang-Chi through it, a very intelligent fighter, great, you know, super smart, the whole thing. He may be able to use that, but he uses portal openings way less than uh, Eleven does. So here's the thing. Even if Eleven cannot control Solomon Grundy's mind and he starts coming forward, this is going to play into Eleven's hands. This is where she goes into her ultimate, for lack of a better term, Super Saiyan form, where she starts to levitate, things start to glow around her, and then she gets highly, the more emotional she gets, even the more powerful she becomes. And this can be triggered by either anger or by fear or by both. And this is where she can create the portals. She can open the portals. Listen, if you can pull a 50 to 80 ton train car towards you, you can hold up Solomon Grundy at least for a few seconds in the air. Look, without the Black Lantern Ring, which is not a thing, he's not flying out of there this is something where she can pick him up she's super powerful even a short period of time open a portal push him through close it the fight is done by the way and this is a skill testing question what is the most common way Solomon Grundy has been defeated over the 80 somewhat years of his history it's by battlefield removal at least three times every decade of this character's existence, he is defeated by battlefield removal, where he's put in the sun, someone pushes through a dimensional portal, or what have, or is displaced somewhere else. Yeah, sure, he's going to come back later on, but the fight's already over. Put all this together, her viciousness, her telekinesis, her ability to control minds and read minds, uh, Solomon Grundy's moral code, and the fact that he's been beaten by viciousness and mind-controlled, and he's been defeated his entire existence, multiple times every decade, through battlefield removal, something Eleven specializes in, you can see why Eleven is going to win this fight, and that's my point number three. James, I can tell your desperation. I can smell it from here. You're trying to do things, and you're trying to convince our esteemed judge of things that simply are not going to happen. You ask, would he hit a child? Well, he beat up Robin. Robin's a pretty young guy. He grabbed Robin by the head and was going to crush his head until Wonder Woman came in, stuck him in the arm, and that's when he slapped her so hard, Flash had to go get her, and then Superman had to eye laser his arm away, and even then, the hand was still gripped tight around Robin's skull, ready to crush. So would he hit a child? Yes! Yes, he would. Maybe for a split second, Eleven would have an opportunity to get off one of her telekinetic powers that she'd go for, but when that doesn't work, Solomon Grundy absolutely would take her out. And then portals. The portals are very, very hard for her. She doesn't just like open a portal like Dr. Fate, Dr. Strange, one of them. She has to use all of her intense focus and it takes a long period of time to open and close these portals from what I've seen, James. Could you say any time in Stranger Things she just had an enemy where she just lifted them in the air with telekinesis? opened a portal behind him, threw them in the portal, and then closed the portal behind him, that's not a thing that she's done. That's out of character for her to do, and it's just outside of her range of skills. Does she have individual skills along the way that eventually could get that effect? Yes, but nothing that's going to hit Solomon Grundy. This guy's as strong as Superman. I agree. A 50 to 100 ton freight car is big. It's not as big as the Earth a thing that Superman was able to move. So ultimately, it's not going to be enough. And the last thing I'm going to leave you with is you talk about the childlike glee. And I agree. If Solomon Grundy is fighting somebody like Bizarro, who is also a, a childlike type of character, 
They, he might bond with them. They might tip over a hot dog cart like he did with Bizarro and go watch the sunset together. But you established in one of your points earlier, James, Eleven is not one of those characters. Eleven is mean. Eleven is vicious. Eleven has no childlike glee about her whatsoever. So that point is mute and moot. And, and moot. that's what I have to say. Got it. Here's the thing. It's funny. The question I keep having in my mind, first of all, Eleven is manipulative as well. That's really cool. That's something that could work. But the other question I have, and I think I've answered it, what happens when you take someone who's super strong and use telekinesis to raise him in the air? Because how much does he weigh? A thousand pounds or whatever? He's That's, big. Yeah, he's big. That's not something out of rel- out of the range for Eleven to do. She's flipped over a van, which is, I think, at least three tons or whatever. So she could easily hold him in the air. If he can't fly and he's just punching the air, what does he can do? She could easily hold him in place and then put him through he's that. broken that... Green Lantern constructs, James. This argument is invalid. Right. But he had to get a hold of them. And if he's just being held up in the air, like she's like, you know, from behind, whatever, can she do it? That's the question. Energy absorption. It's 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 all easily answerable. Yeah, yeah, you can absolutely absorb telekinesis. No, you can't. Not a thing. All right, Tony, you've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. This is now up to you. This is where you have to tell us in your own mind who wins this fight. Take us through a journey. Take us through your process and tell us unequivocally who wins this fight between Eleven and Solomon Grundy. There's a significant amount of knowledge and research that has gone into each of your arguments. And I listened intently. In point one, Ray argued that Solomon Grundy had indomitable strength, whereas James argued that Eleven, despite her lack of strength, had a significant amount of of abilities that did have some utility. In point number two, Ray did an amazing job at arguing the pure durability and invulnerability of Solomon Grundy. And James, on the other hand, argued the violent vitriol (laughs) that is Eleven's general mental state. Moving into point number three, I was completely unclear on where we were going to go, but you all actually argue different sides of the same coin, with James arguing that Solomon Grundy is too childlike to actually be a threat to a child. Whereas Ray argued the fact that Solomon Grundy might have the wisdom of King Solomon himself. Suave Grundy. If I didn't know that he owned a club, owning a business is difficult. All of that paperwork, that requires <laughs> some very level-headedness. However, with all of this knowledge in my mind, and of course our references to the sacred text, In my mind, here is how I think things would go. Starting with Ray's initial setup of this this breakdown, that Eleven is roaming through the woods. Now, specifically for, for the sake of this argument and the way that things are moving in my head, generally at this point in the story, when Eleven is wandering through the woods, it's because she is in trouble in some in some sort of way. Or else she'd probably be with Hopper at this point. If she's in the woods, I feel like things have gone left already. And in Stranger Things, we have already established that Eleven is capable of some crazy things when she is acting in her own self-preservatory interest. Solomon Grundy emerges from the swamp. Maybe it's one of the Mundies that he was born on. And what we know about Solomon Grundy is that he has a significant amount of bloodlust. He's capable of doing absolutely terrible things to people. And in that moment where he emerges from the swamp and he makes eye contact with Eleven, here is what I believe happens. 
He's large. He's massive. Over a thousand pounds. He's looming over this small child. Eleven is smart as is. However, a, a large beast emerging from the swamp with a bloodthirsty smile on his face? She does not have to think long to know one thing. She is in danger. And we see Eleven do some of her best work when she's in danger. I think Solomon Grundy is going to move forward in a very quick attempt to destroy this small child. I don't think the moral compass is going to play a role at all. He's Solomon Grundy. He's here to destroy things. If he doesn't like Clark Kent, the human incarnation of a Boy Scout, surely he, is, he isn't going to he isn't gonna mince any words with a child. I think Solomon Grundy immediately makes a move forward to, in order to fight in combat with Eleven. However... I think that as Eleven sees him coming in her mind, what she knows is she is not going to win this fight. She does not have him in terms of strength. She does not have the durability to hold off this fight. And I feel like due to his size and the agility with which he moves, she knows that this is a losing battle unless she is able to do one thing. Crack open a portal. Now, Ray, you were very clear in your rebuttal to, to James's third point. Eleven does not crack open portals like it's nothing. She is not Doctor Strange. She can't pull off a couple of Naruto hand signs and then open a portal. However, in the occasions in which Eleven has been able to open portals, she has been being experimented on under extreme duress or someone that she loves is in danger. And I do believe that in this moment, with a giant creature moving towards her, it meets the criteria for her to be both under duress and in danger. And in that moment, I think she grabs Solomon Grundy. I think she hoists him up into the air. Solomon Grundy lashes out, reaching towards her, trying to grab her. I don't think that energy absorption works in terms of telekinesis. And in that moment, I think just like the Scarlet Witch said, no more mutants, Eleven tells him to go away. And just like that, he's gone into the upside down. And even though he is capable of reanimating bodies, the upside down is the same size as our world. I don't know that he will be able to find Barb's body fast enough for him to not lose this fight due to removal from the arena. So with that in mind, I feel that when it is Solomon Grundy versus Eleven, by utility and technicality, Eleven is the victor. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That was, I was like eating popcorn and just like so engrossed by this whole story. There's a reason why you're the Oracle, by the way. This is a title that you should have for the rest of your life. That was the sacred text came alive with what you were saying. I can't believe that 11 got the win. Actually, I can after you described it. Ray Sicanus, how are you feeling right now? I, I don't even know. I'm beside myself. If, if I was Solomon Grundy, my eyes wouldn't just roll back. They'd roll back through my head and down the street behind me. Eleven doesn't just open portals willy-nilly. She doesn't snap her fingers and become the Scarlet Witch out of nowhere. I don't... Un I love the story, first off. Wonderful uh, storytelling. Wonderful uh, fantasy you've cooked up. Not based in any reality that we've discussed today. I'm, in fact, disgusted by what I just heard. <laughs>
I, you know, not surprising. Look, I, when it comes down to it, there was only one real way for Eleven to win. She had a number of ways I felt that she could stop, maybe momentarily halt Solomon Grundy. But again, you're talking about someone who matches up with Superman and has wins over Superman. As Ray did said, did I mention very well. that? Did I mention he once beat up Superman? Yeah, maybe I did. Wait, did he beat up Superman? Uh, uh more than once with and without Kryptonite. And That's with right. and without Kryptonite. This is crazy. I felt like the only chance she had was to go into that hyper Super Saiyan mode that she taps into and open up that pow- that that portal through battlefield removal. That's the only way I could see her getting the victory. This whole game plan was actually uh, inspired by Race to Canis when he did this with the Inuyasha versus Shang-Chi battle we had a few episodes ago. Brilliantly argued by Ray, I felt like, well, cool, we actually have someone who's known for portals or dimensional openings, whatever you want to call it. This was the only chance she had. Could she slow down Solomon Grundy enough to open it up? According to Tony Weaver Jr., yes, she could. Tony, you are amazing. This was fantastic. Please come back and be a judge anytime. We would love to have you. You have enhanced the show is what I'm trying to say. With all that being said, Tony, where can people find you and your work online? I am at Tony Weaver Jr. on all platforms. And wherever you find me, you can also find The Uncommons, which is currently available to read on Webtoon. Very cool. All right. And what about social media? You know, where can people find you on Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok? Literally everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Don't send me a Facebook request. We don't we don't go back there. But everywhere else, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Facebook's like the upside down, right? You, you right. don't want to go exactly. There. Exactly. Right. I, I hear you. We're, we're all on the same page. Raise to Canis. Well played, sir. Well played. Again, thank you for the inspiration for my point number three. I really appreciate that. Uh, You know, tell the fans where they can find you. I don't even know what just happened. I feel like I just got hit by a 50 to 100 pound freight truck to the head with, with, with the world we're living in right now. Look, you know, another character who opens portals actually whatever they'd want to on a whim and can throw people through them. Dr. Fate, a character Solomon Grundy handed his butt to. So I don't understand. I feel like hashtag Ray was robbed. I think of all the robberies in the history of the Who Would Win show. This would rank right at the top of times when Ray got mugged at the ATM. Hashtag Ray is right. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. A little more confused. A little more Solomon Grundy like this weekend. I guarantee it you definitely have a solomon grundy thing going for you you know i'm not gonna lie that's a that's a good thing very powerful it's very powerful all right uh congratulations to rihanna well-fought battle thank you tony of course you can find me on twitter instagram and facebook by typing in at james gabsy by the way congratulations to me for using the hashtag imf intoxicating mind fog hashtag james just knows that that's what you need to make a battle go all right remember to join the official hulu facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community you can also find us on instagram at who would win show don't forget to subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify and wherever else you go for your podcast on behalf of myself racy canis and the rest of the amazing who would win team thank you once again for listening to another episode of who would win we'll see you next time
crying when Optimus Prime died. Or the days when every series had a ham-fisted anti-drug episode. Or when you wrote fan fiction about how the Animaniacs were so hot in that water tower, so they took off all their clothes and they started... No! No, different podcast. This one is Knowing is Half the Podcast, a show devoted to the best and worst animated memories of your childhood. Every week we recap a cartoon from the past to see if they're as good as you remember. They're not. What are you talking about? They're great! You're both wrong. None of them get good until they're in a water tower. No! And Knowing is Half the Podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.